get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford. He's the Blues insider for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter as always at JP Rutherford and we certainly appreciate him taking the time to join us today coming off of a back-to-back losses for the St. Louis Blues. JR, uh, let's start with this. What did you see in the last two games that was different from what you saw from the Blues when they won 8 out of 10? Well, I think it's a couple things, and, you know, you can focus on the last couple games, but I just think it's more big picture. Uh, you know, I think anytime you win 8 out of 10, you're going to take that for sure, and that's not going to happen, you know, the rest of the season. At least it's not going to, you know, you're not going to win 8 out of every 10, obviously. But I think that if you look at the big picture, this team has a couple things. It's tough to score 5-on-5 five five for this team, and I think we know the reason. The roster isn't what it was. And the margin for error is very small. And so when you're not scoring five on five and you're making egregious mistakes, i.e. turnovers that we've seen from some key players on this team, then I think you're going to get the result that they got the last couple games. You know, the the other underlying thing is what kind of response, what kind of effort are you going to get in games that matter the most? And, And they all matter, don't get me wrong. Uh, but when you drop the puck for that game against Nashville, there should be no, no talk at the end of that game about not being connected and, and not playing the way you needed to play. That just can't happen the rest of the way if this team wants to secure one of those wild card spots. Jer, what should the concern level be for Blues fans after Drew Bannister basically said yesterday that uh, Kevin Hayes, Brandon Saad, and Sammy Blay was the team's fourth line against the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, and I think, you know, we've seen that with Drew. He's been able to hold guys accountable. It started off with uh, Buchnevich. We've seen it with Tyru, and now we've seen it with a couple of these players. You know, he's got nothing to lose, Alex, and we know that. This is uh, Drew Bannister trying to press the right buttons and, and show that he can hold guys accountable. That's the number one word that Doug Armstrong said when he brought him in to be the interim coach. Is, is this what he wanted to do? So, you know, we can sit here and have two different conversations, one about the roster and the players that we're talking about that, that he demoted you know, are they great players? Are they top six, top nine players who can be consistent and help this team on a regular basis? I don't necessarily think so, but this is what Drew Bannister has to work with. And so in the meantime, he's going to have to move these guys up and down the lineup and try to get the most out of each one of them. JR, I was disappointed by the performance out of Jordan Cairo on Saturday specifically. I, I've been probably a resident defender of Jordan Cairo. I I look at the production, and despite some of the shortfalls with what he does defensively, I tend to think he's a young player. This is going to get better. He's going to become a more responsible player. And and then games like Saturday take place where it just the intent didn't seem to be there. What have you seen from Jordan Cairo this season, and, and how would you assess his I would say his production relative to what you're watching night to night. Yeah, I think we've seen basically what we've seen from Jordan the past couple years. And I think this is why his name is always in the headlines of, of people wondering why he can't 
produce more and show more of an effort. You know, ha- has it been a different type of game for him this year? You know, I think so in terms of you know, they really wanted him to focus on the other parts of the game besides offense. And I think at times, you know, I don't want to sit here and try to say that he's been just leaps and bounds better defensively because, you know, at times you see it, times you don't. Um, but I, I think it's kind of been more of the same with Jordan Cairo. Here's my question when it comes to him. You know, I think hockey players, sometimes they feel like there's somebody out to get them, whether it's a coach or it's just not a good fit with the coach. Well, you know, if, if that's the case with a Craig Berube, let's say, and a change is made and you're still a guy who's getting singled out in terms of moving down the lineup and not getting the ice time and getting some criticism, you know, at some point it, it, it becomes – more about you and you have to have an awareness to see that and so you know i just feel like jordan Cairo moving forward he's going to have to put more of an onus on himself to say hey look i might have thought that you know these are the reasons why i'm not producing and i'm not more consistent it's 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 all going to come down to me in the end and i need to take whatever steps i can to be that type of player because nine and ten and fifteen and twenty people who talk about my situation and the way I produce you know, they can't all be wrong. So uh, it, it's on me. And I think that's where Jordan Kyra is going to come to a crossroads in his career in terms of what kind of player he wants to be. Jerry, I am curious because like, I, I think you're right. And this is the first time that I've really had the con had the interest in having the conversation about what his future looks like here in St. Louis and whether or not we are at a crossroads coming up, either at this deadline or going into the offseason. You were here to cover David Perron at, at the beginning of his career, and you saw what that player was versus the player that we saw the second time that he came back to St. Louis, and certainly the third time as well. Do you think David Perron needed that change of scenery to become the player that he ultimately was, was, was that like almost a requirement for him or do you think he would have got it if he had stayed? I think he still would have been that player because what I saw in David Perron and we can talk all about the white skates and, you know, not cashing his check, which, Oh, by the way, he debates. He said, it's because I didn't have a social security card. It wasn't because I didn't know I had to cash him, but I think we saw a guy that, uh, that just matured really over those first few years. And maybe that wouldn't have happened if you didn't have the Keith Kachucks and those guys. I mean, how cool is it when you see uh, David Perron thanking guys like uh, Big Walt and others, other Blues veterans who are on that team for kind of molding him. But here's the thing with David Perron. He accepted those lessons and he wanted to change and he wanted to get better. And eventually he saw those flaws and I think it benefited him tremendously. And so I don't think, you know, going to Edmonton in the trade, playing with a few other teams, it might have made him more appreciative for what he had here in St. Louis. But I think David Perron was going to get it. And I just think that uh, people look at Jordan Cairo and wonder if that's going to soak in. So, so Jay, this, this might seem like an odd question, but after watching these last couple of games and seeing the other team's top line outperform the Blues' top line, do you believe that the Blues have... A, a top line right now on their current roster? Well, they don't have a top line that's playing well, and we, we've seen that top line, you know, just light it up some nights, uh, probably more so last year, and that's why uh, Craig Burby came back with that line at the start of this season with Buchnevich and Kairou and Thomas. You want Kairou and Thomas to click, and, and Buchnevich you know, has been a really good player the past couple years. It's just that, you know, this year, the only guy moving the needle is Robert Thomas, and, you know, when you don't have your top line going it's tough to compete with those those teams for sure especially when the blues don't have the depth of scoring i mean you got casper cabin playing on a second line with has he hit 20 points yet and 
and you know you talked about Saad and and Hayes being demoted to the fourth line. So you know you got to have something. You got to have a top line that can score. You got to have maybe some some depth scoring one or the other. You know if you got both, you're going to be a good playoff team. The Blues have neither right now. Jeremy Rutherford is our guest. You can find his great work over at The Athletic and follow him on Twitter at JP Rutherford. Jerry, you tw- uh, tweeted out your article earlier today that you have up on The Athletic right now. It's about Jake Neighbors, who was kind enough to join us in our studio out at the Centene Community Ice Center on Friday. If anybody missed that conversation with him, uh, check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. The free 101 ESPN app is where you go to find it. It's all presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. But you had a really good conversation with him as well about how the fan base here in St. Louis has really taken to him, Jr. What what was his response? What was his overall interaction like with you as you kind of got to know him a little bit more about and how he has embraced this fan base and how they've embraced him? Yeah, you know, I can just uh, see it. And, you know, that's the cool part in my job is whenever you're out, you're talking to people about the Blues a lot. And uh, I'll tell you one thing. I had a friend who wanted me to try to help him uh, get his hands on a uh, Sunquist jersey, and he's still a huge uh, Sunquist fan, right? A lot, a lot of people are here in St. Louis. But the other day, I get a text from, "Hey, you know what? As much as I love Sonny, you know, I'd love to wear his jersey. Uh, let me switch. I want to get my hands on a neighbor's jersey." And I think that's what's kind of happening here in St. Louis is. You know, everybody's becoming a Jake Neighbors fan. And listen, I grew up in St. Louis. I've lived here my entire life, 48 years. I've lived in a 20-mile radius. I grew up watching, you know, the 1980s blues, so on and so forth. And I can tell you one thing. When somebody says, how do people, how do blues players become fan favorites? It's work hard. And it doesn't matter if you score 10 goals, 20 goals, 30 goals. It's you work hard. At the end of the night, these people who pay the money want to see that you put in an effort like they did during their day job earlier in the day before they came to watch you. And, and I, Jake Neighbors does that. And this article, uh, what I tried to do is just show some smaller points of his game that shows how hard he's working. And let me use one little detail in particular. There's a play where Jake Neighbors is net front, and that's what he's supposed to do on this play. And the puck gets kicked out to the wall, and now Tory Krug is on a one-on-one battle in the offensive zone, I should say. And, and Tory Krug needs some help. What does Jake Neighbors do? He leaves the net front and skates 30 feet over to the wall to help Tory Krug win that battle and it winds up in a play where the Blues score. In fact, I think it was Neighbors who scored on the play. And so I'm sitting in Drew Bannister's office, and we're watching this clip. And I looked at Drew. I said, Drew, 300 players in the NHL don't skate over to the wall and help Tory Crew. Hmm. He's if any. He said, even if that many. So, you know, those are the types of players people can see, you know, that he's, he's playing hard. But when you see those little nuances and the things he's doing, that's why he's becoming a fan favorite. He's Jeremy Rutherford. You can find his great work over at The Athletic. That's where you can find his piece on Jake Neighbors. Some really good film work over there as well. You get a great breakdown from Drew Bannister on some of the things that we've seen lately from Jake Neighbors. Jerry, we appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy your time this week. We'll talk with you again next week. Hey, you made it. No coughing. Good job. <laughs> I'm doing my best. We'll, uh, we'll find a way through it. It's Jeremy Rutherford, one of the best in the business.